Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. Weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean Racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the Racetalk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV, and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. Great to have you on board again for another big show. We speak to the CEO of the Australian Racing Group, Matt Braid, about their new calendar release this week. And we also chat to the last man to drive a fully built Honda Formula One machine, that is chassis and engine. Who do you think it is? We'll find out shortly. Our weekly chat also this week with Krause and Mark Walker. But first, the news of the week, and we hear from the people making it. And is there a chance that we could have two F1 McLaren drivers putting around in the Bathurst 1000 next year? It's a possibility, according to McLaren boss Zach Brown on Supercar Sidetracked. Well, I think they'd both love to do it. Um, and I think uh, people now know I'm uh, a little bit uh, different than most of the team bosses in F1, as I like to see our drivers go out and give it a go in Daytona or Le Mans, things of that nature. So I think it'll just come down to schedule and um, whether uh, they can fit it in the schedule Bathurst historically uh, conflicts with uh, Japan. That's why sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm, I'm not. So uh, I'd love to see him uh, do it there. Uh, so let's see. Uh, for sure, they'll get a go in my uh, in my home. And speaking of F1s, it would seem that the British Grand Prix will go ahead with the talk that PM Boris Johnson will give exemptions to the Formula One teams to avoid the 14-day quarantine laws. Last week, we got the supercars calendar. This week, it's the Shannon's Nationals and ARG dates. The ARG categories will run with the Shannon's Nationals for three events, Sydney Motorsport Park in August, Sandown in September, and Phillip Island in October, and will then run three separate events, which includes four days at the Bathurst, uh, four days at Bathurst, I should say, in November, and consecutive weekends in Tasmania at the end of January. The other addition to those dates is a Shannon's National event at the Bend Motorsport Park in October, which will include the Australian Rally Championship. ARG CEO Matt Braid telling On The Grid it was a tough calendar to get right. Uh, Motorsport Australia is the governing body of motorsport. You know, in our country, do a fantastic job. They have taken the lead on a lot of this, particularly as it relates to the discussions with government on restrictions and obviously the various health bodies. So they've been fantastic uh, to work with us in the period and obviously give advice. So we actually have effectively taken their lead and work with them on the uh, on the events and really 
yeah, effectively working with Mike Smith and his team in the motorsport department there about, okay, you know, let's pick the right tracks. What are the dates that are available? You know, track availability is always an issue. Is there going to be border restrictions? What's the right time to start? You know, all those things get tossed around and, and it'd be fair to say we started out with, you know, plan A, B and C. And I think this one we've actually ended up on is probably like G. More from Matt shortly. Supercar CEO Sean Seymour has once again answered questions from the fans about the 2021 season. Seymour answering a question about the inclusion of the support categories back on supercar events. As part of the return to racing protocols that we're working on with each of the state governments, we have plans to introduce crowds, but also introduce support categories over time. So what you'll see us start to do is introduce support categories uh, gradually uh, over the course of the rest of the championship. Beyond Sydney Motorsport Park, we haven't made any calls, but our number one priority is executing a successful supercars only event at Sydney Motorsport Park, and from there we'll go. On the question about Holden's racing beyond this year, Seema says that the ZB will be around for a while. Absolutely. Our teams will be running that Holden ZB until Gen 3 is introduced. Uh, Gen 3 works ongoing in the background, and we'll continue to keep people updated on key milestones as those plans develop. And when asked about the possibility of crowds at the Bathurst 1000, Seema seemed confident there will be spectators there. No one can predict uh, exactly how many people will be able to have at Bathurst at this point in time. I think we, just like all of you, are looking at the government restrictions on a daily basis and trying to ascertain what that could look like for, for our events. Obviously, Bathurst is key for us, and we're really encouraged that in the scheduling that the government's put out that campgrounds are coming back. So we're definitely expecting people at Bathurst and, and we're hoping to get as many people in there as possible. Supercar CEO Sean Seema on the Supercars website. And NASCAR has started their racing season with races being run at Charlotte and also at Donington. Kyle Busch scored an Xfinity win in Charlotte and is now three wins short of the 100 wins in the category. Um, I mean, I would say the biggest thing is just working with so many different teams, so many different crew chiefs, having the opportunity to win with a lot of them, if not all of them. And um, just being able to go out there and, and work with a lot of cool guys, a lot of um, people that have helped me along the way and gotten me to this point. But a lot of great sponsors as well, too, over the years. And, um, again, another shout-out to M&Ms and Interstate Batteries, Ream, uh, Snickers, Skittles, Rowdy Energy. It's, um, it's nice to be able to get all those guys in victory lane here in the Xfinity Series. Appreciate them helping me out in these final five, six, <laughs> however many races I need to get to, uh, to close it out for uh, getting 100. Brad Keselowski taking the win in the Coca-Cola 600. All right, joining us on the line, as always, Richard Crail from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crailsey. Hello, Shebexter. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Made a big show coming up very shortly. Matt Braid to join us to talk about the new uh, calendar for the ARG series and uh, also Cam McConville a little bit later on as well. I'm looking forward to digesting everything that's happened in the week of motorsport with Mark Walker. Well, it's nice, Shebex, that we're now, we've got some dates, don't we? So Supercars yeah. came out with their calendar last week. We broke that down on last week's show. Um, this week, Shannon's Motorsport Australian Nationals, Australian Racing Group. And now we've actually got something to work towards, which is terrific. We've got an idea of when all this is going to kick off again and some form of normalcy can happen, which is just hugely exciting after 10 weeks of running around with our hands in the air going, what on earth is going on? So some great news and the best part about it Shebex and we'll touch on this with Matt in a minute is that there's a few little surprises in this calendar announcement as well and some cool events that have been added to the program um, for S5000 and TCR and Trans Am especially that we uh, that we're pretty excited about so looking forward to it. 
Yeah, certainly are. Let's catch up with the CEO of the Australian Racing Group, Matt Braid. Congratulations, Matt. A calendar's out and we go racing again. Yeah, good, good evening, gents. Thanks very much. And look, yeah, fantastic news today. We're so pleased to finally be able to announce a calendar. And uh, like all of you, as you said, I think we've all been sitting around busily planning for the rest of the year and what we could achieve, um, pending obviously your requirements, health requirements and, and, uh, and restrictions and so forth. But now having this calendar, is a, it's a great start. And as you touched on, we're really pleased to have some great tracks in there, uh, quite a condensed calendar, and obviously then some, uh, some new rounds and a, and, a, and a nice trip to Tassie. We'll, um, we'll touch on the Tassie stuff because that, that sounds like a brilliant trip in late January when the weather will be hopefully perfect and um, going back to Baskerville is going to be good. We'll, we'll dive in on that in a second, but just walk us through this process, Matt, because it, it's a collaborative effort with Motorsport Australia and Shannon's Motorsport Australia Nationals, which are a big part of what ARG does. So just talk about the process and the amount of work that I imagine has gone into piecing this all together. Yeah, you're right, Richard. I think, look, uh, Motorsport Australia is the governing body of motorsport. You know, in our country, do a fantastic job. They have taken the lead on a lot of this, particularly as we race through the discussions with government on restrictions and obviously the various health bodies. So they've been fantastic uh, to work with us in the period and obviously give advice. So we actually have effectively taken their lead and work with them on the uh, on the events and really... Uh, yeah, effectively working with Mike Smith and his team in the motorsport department there about, okay, you know, let's pick the right tracks. What are the dates that are available? You know, track availability is always an issue. Is there going to be border restrictions? What's the right time to start? You know, all those things get tossed around. And, and it'd be fair to say we started out with, you know, plan A, B and C. And I think this one we've actually ended up on is probably like G. So uh, G or H, I think it ended up being. So it's, it's, you go through multiple iterations, um, balancing various factors and, the calendar we've come up with is, I think it's, we're really pleased with it and we're quite confident in it, given the timing that it should be, it's all doable and all achievable and, and particularly from our competitor group and also the fans that we ideally won't have to change anything in that calendar. It, it looks pretty, pretty much set um, based on what we know and what we're aiming for as far as restrictions and, and border control. Interested to hear you say track availability, Matt. One would think that because of the times that we've gone through for the last three or four months, that tracks are pretty much available for the next six to eight months because nothing is known and nothing has really been booked. Was that a, a major issue or was it just a, a little bit of a stumbling block in some cases? Uh, it, it depends on the location. Uh, I think Tony, because when you, when you look at it, some of those dates are actually being held prior to COVID as well. Okay. So, and yep. a lot of people don't, don't want to give them up until they actually know what, you know, what the landscape's going to be on the other side. So it has been a bit of a juggle for us. And also then you've got not so much track availability full stop, but track availability on the dates or months that obviously we want to try and target yeah. to go back on. That has been a difficult part for us. Um, well, let's talk about Tasmania because that came as a, a pleasant surprise at the end. So TCR, S5000 and Trans Am at Simmons Plains and a really interesting date that, that ends on Australia Day, which is for midweek or early week, which is cool. And then down to Baskerville, which is an amazing little racetrack. Hobart will have never seen the like of TCR and Trans Am racing there. So that, that's a really big deal. And there's probably some opportunities there as well, I would imagine, to tie in some tourism and get the government involved. And local tourism is going to be a big thing, I think, with, with international travel not being a major thing for the foreseeable future. So this is a cool opportunity to, to go down and make a massive splash in Tassie. 
It's it's a huge opportunity, and I think you know credit credit also needs to be paid to Gary Rogers and his team because Gary uh, is he's a very proud sort of Tasmanian representative, and he know he's very well connected down there. And he came up with the idea of talking to a few people and pretty much planted the seed, which has been great. So you know I can say from my supercar times, whenever you go to Tasmania, the Tasmanian fans, you know, they're huge motorsport fans down there. Mm-hmm. They're really passionate behind all forms of motorsport. They don't get enough of it, quite clearly. And to be able to not only go to Launceston and, and do you know do Simmons, but to actually now go to Baskerville and, and obviously and get the greater population of Hobart also involved, it's going to be absolutely spectacular. So I think it is truly going to be a festival. It's just a case of how big. Yeah, and, and what the limitations are at January and the way it's all changing. I mean, January is a different world at the moment, isn't it? But um, Baskerville's a, a really cool little racetrack and was resurfaced two years ago, if that. So it's actually in pretty good shape. I reckon TCR will put on a, a cracking show there and Trans Am will be much the same. And like you said, an opportunity to go to a market which just hasn't been exposed to national level racing unless they've made that couple of hour trek up the middle of the state to go to Simmons for supercars. So really cool for both of those series, especially to go and go and do that round in particular. Yeah, definitely. I think I haven't actually been to the track myself personally, but when we did discuss it, Everybody to a, to a person has said, "Oh, Baskerville's great," and and mm. like you said, Richard, everyone's looked at it and gone, "Oh, this is going to be good." You know, so when you it's it's very rare you get everybody of those categories all talking up a track and saying how great it's going to be. So I think that it, it bodes very well for the event in January. So with the ARG only events, which of course are, are the Bathurst International Simmons Plains and Baskerville, will they predominantly uh, be just those three categories or is there an opportunity for other support categories to join on for those days, Matt? Yeah, the, the Bathurst International Tony is going to be open to various categories. So we're in discussion with, with multiple categories. And you know, if there's if there's a positive, one positive obviously that we're coming to the back half of the year is there's, there's lots of motorsport categories that are keen to race and the international now presents a really good opportunity to, you know, and a platform for a lot of categories that might have done something else to actually come to that event. So we are talking to multiple categories in addition to our own to race at the international event. Now we've actually stretched it to four days, um, thanks to the, obviously the assistance of the council. So that will be a very full event in itself uh, with multiple categories, and we're looking forward to announcing more of those pretty much in the coming weeks. I think we'll see uh, some further announcements. And, the, and then it, the Bathurst Six Hour is one of those. About the six hour is one of those, yes. Yeah. So the six hour, six hour run run one day with a with a group of with many of the support categories from the proposed the planned event we had to cancel and shift in in April will carry over to the international. Plus there'll be additional support categories as a result of the international event separately. So it's going to be it's it's going to be a busy four days, which is great. Yeah. And then I'm then going to Tasmania. So at this stage there will be the ARG categories. Uh, which has been talked about today. We are talking to some of the local categories down there as well. So yeah, the intention is that there will be a, you know, some good support for the Tasmanian motorsport community in conjunction with, with our categories and potentially some others. And also maybe another a bit more of a surprise to come on, on uh, something we might be able to do at one or, one or both of those events. So maybe okay. stay tuned on that. I like it. One thing I did think, I know S five thousand is not going to Baskerville. It's a pretty, it's a fast little track, and it's probably a bit hairy for those big cars. And they'll they'll conclude at Simmons Plains, but I think the lap record at Baskerville was held possibly by John Bow actually in an S five thousand or F five thousand way back in the day. So 
be nice to see a, a modern day car maybe go out for a bit of a demo and a bit of a lap record chase or something along those lines would be a good little PR thing for, um, for S5000. Um, what, what's the level of collaboration been like? Obviously, um, new TV partners this year with uh, the Seven Network. So I imagine there's been a process in keeping them engaged with what you're doing and, and what's been the level of feedback from them as far as this program and, and their continued engagement. Yeah, it's, 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 good, it's a good uh, topic, Richard. I think Seven have been a great partner so far. We haven't actually started a telecast for them yet, but they've been very supportive of trying to work with us. Obviously, before COVID, we had, had a great plan for this year. Mm. Uh, now with COVID, obviously, we're addressing that with them. Uh, they ha- they're going to have a lot of demand for sport on their network, but they're very positive about what we're going to provide through the ARG and, and Motorsport Australia events too. So they, they are working very close with us to ensure that there's going to be a, a really spectacular coverage. Of, of all this motorsport in the back end of the year for the for the seven network. Jeez, that's going to be a that's going to be a great four weeks, mid January through to early February because you can you put those two events in Tasmania, with the two supercar events basically on either side, and that's going to be four weeks of just really really good motorsport for the Aussie racing fan. Absolutely, I think like we've all been so starved of motorsport for you know, outside of obviously the various uh, E series that have been uh, been conducted at the moment. So to actually go racing again, I think we're all and truly going to make up for it. That's for sure. So I think that uh, I'm really hoping the fans will be loving the fact that uh, you know be careful what you wish for, you know, because mm. uh, when it when it goes, you really miss it even more. And I think the fact that we've missed out on motorsport for so long. Now it's going to come right back at you in massive doses and some really exciting events. So I'm sure the fans will be pleased in the back half of the year and into January. Yeah, well, I've missed the Grand Prix 16 years ago. It feels like that uh, that time. Um, you mentioned esports, Matt, and uh, we should just touch on the ARG Esports Cup that's been running and uh, between TCR cars and the, the F3 cars to represent uh, S5000. And, and that looks like it's been really successful, good numbers at every round, lots of people watching online and, and that, has that been an important part of this unscheduled off-season to keep your teams and drivers engaged in particular? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Richard. I think for us, it was a case of actually how we do, how do we use it as an engagement piece? You know, I think as good as the sport racing series, you know, for various categories around being, you know, they, can't, they really can't replace the actual thing you know, as much from purely, purely a motorsport fan perspective. But in the absence of that, they've been really good at engaging the fan base and certainly keeping our teams and drivers engaged. And I think that was the main thing for us. So we've been able to to achieve all those aspects where not only can we put on some good content, which has been digested very well and supported by the fan base for AIG, but equally you know, the drivers and teams with all our categories have been able to participate. And, and, uh, and if you talk to them, they're actually they're really enjoying the racing, the actual racing on the circuit, so to yeah. speak, in the in the E-Series. And also the fans are enjoying the content. So everyone's happy, which is great. So I think that's been a, a very welcome initiative that was put together very quickly by our team. And I, I think it's been really successful. And, and I like to think we'll be able to keep it going in various formats um, beyond uh, beyond this year. Yeah, I think if anything, this whole situation has sort of pushed esports into the f- forefront of the sport in general and allowed it to, it's going to play a role moving forward pandemic or otherwise um just touching on a point you made there about engagement with competitors and it, and it might be a a question that's too early to ask but there's, there's look there's bound to be some attrition with this just with the business dramas that have been going on and the way the economy has battled through this process and there's going to be a recovery but what's the vibe you're getting from arg categories in terms of 
people coming back to this um, and, and how people have worked through it and their likelihood to, to jump back in. A well-publicised story two weeks ago with Milwaukee dropping out of 23 Red in supercar land. You can imagine there's going to be more stories like that throughout the sport. It, it's just a side effect of what everyone's been through. But what's the vibe from ARG categories and, and what's, the, what's the feeling like now that there's a date for them to get back on the racetrack? Yeah, look, it's it's been a very tough environment for for all competitors and teams, and it's likely to be a tough environment going forward for quite some time. Quite clearly, post COVID as well. Mm. So we've been in regular contact with the teams in all our categories through our category management team, um, you know, and yeah, at a personal level too, saying you know, asking competitors how they're placed, how they are personally, you know, what's what's the the, the likelihood to go racing again? Do they want to go racing? And I think everyone has wanted to go you know i think that the unanimous thing's been like you know how quick can we get back racing no one's no one said let's not do it let's 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 pause yeah. too long um of course there will be there are there are going to be and there will be further probably teams are going to be under commercial pressure you know going into the back half of the year but at this stage i think uh the majority that we're talking to are in a pretty good position or, or they're confident that they could be able to restructure things to do and the majority, if not all the rounds that we're, we've got for each category. So in that regard, I think we're in a pretty good place. And also given the price point of our categories, you know, they are... Good point. Our, our, our teams are chasing budgets. And motorsport, no matter which category, it is expensive. But when you look at TCR, Trans Am, S5000, and, you know, about touring cars and TCM, you know, they're, they're, they're all relatively cost effective for what they are so i think we're in a good position there that you know we're not we're not chasing million dollar budgets you know we don't have teams that are chasing million dollar budgets or are losing million dollar budgets and i think there'll be scope that there's there's a bit of flexibility there that even in these tough times that teams will be able to piece together some pretty good deals to keep racing through the year and you know ideally we might see see um see some teams that kind of do you know one-off events here and there and that's great too yeah we'd love to support them to come as much as they can and yep. even if they can't do the remainder of the season everybody's welcome to participate on a round-by-round basis if they can put the package together for themselves just off the back of that matt and i think you sort of may have answered my question to an extent is there an obligation to racing categories to meet teams halfway with entry fees and the like now for the remainder of this 2021 season and to ensure that cars do get on the grid yeah, absolutely, Tony. And you know, we've had various communications and, and you know, Zoom meetings with all our categories and, and the, the, the teams to actually talk about cost-saving measures. You know, are there things that we can do collectively, either through an ARG perspective or in conjunction with the teams that can can reduce the costs or control the costs even further in the back end of the year? So yes, there's a few measures which we put in place, and even even to the point of going to you know, six rounds. Um, you know, we, we could have gone further, but we decided, no, let's keep it at six mm-hmm. rounds. Uh, some of the categories will do six, some will do five of those remaining ones, et cetera. Uh, uh, tire allocations, travel, you know, all those things we are very consciously looked at to see how we can actually save the team's money. And it's, there's no silver bullet, but, uh, you know, $500 here or another $1,000 there, we know it makes a big difference on a race weekend. So that's what yeah. we've been trying to pursue in conjunction with the teams. Matt, appreciate your time. Really do. Uh, congratulations on getting a schedule out and uh, hopefully it'll all come together and everything will look spectacular when uh, August comes around and you get to hit the track for the first time at Sydney Motorsport Park. Appreciate your time, mate, and look forward to chatting again soon.
Yeah, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Richard. Great to have a chat, guys. And yeah, look forward to seeing you in August going racing. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, mate. Mm, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Matt Bray joining us here on the grid. All right, joining us, Cam McConville. Cam, we're talking about people who are the last to do things in motor racing, and you have the is it, I don't know if it's the envious title or the, uh, the, the pleasure of being the last person to drive a, a Honda Formula One. Tell us how that drive came along. Yeah, maybe I put them out of business to Bex with my performance, but um, it came about that I was uh, co-hosting F1 on Network 10, and we talked earlier in the year about trying to tee up a driver of an F1 car, wouldn't it? and I was like, my gosh, and Steve Wood, who was the executive producer at the time, was really adamant he wanted to try and make it happen. He thought it'd be a good story. Um, I didn't care about the story for Network 10. I just wanted to get my bum in an F1 car one day, which I had failed to do so at that point. So Honda advertised with the show, uh, with the telecast, and um, they were you know, open to it. So basically, I raced the V8 supercar down at Simmons Plains on the Sunday, and they said if I could get to Motegi Speedway in Japan, which Honda owned that circuit, on the Tuesday, um, so this was in November of 2008, roughly, um, they could make it happen. So they had what was called a Honda Thanks Day uh, on the Monday, and Jensen Button was there uh, driving the car, talking to all the Honda staff, and then they were going to keep the car the extra day for me. So flew out of uh, Tassie on the Sunday night, got to Sydney, then went to Japan on the Monday, into Motegi Monday night, and uh, there I was, Tuesday morning, opened the doors, um, and there was an F1 car in the garage for me. So, yeah, it was a pretty surreal to arrive there two days after a V8 um, in Japan and had a, had a racetrack and a car all to myself for half a day anyway. And you got to share the drive on the day with a, a Japanese car graphic magazine editor who also had a, a fairly serious driving background as well. Yeah, he. Um, it's interesting. He went first, which was good because it was a damp track. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I uh, should cover that, that it wasn't just for me. And it, he was um, reasonable, you know, quite a high-profile journalist over there. Um, he spun it on the second lap. And unfortunately for me, he didn't hit anything. Um, but he'd taken oh, a good hour to get the car out of the pit lane. And I was laughing at the time. Little did I know later how difficult that was. And after his few laps, when he spun, he was happy not to get back in. And so that was good. I could start preparing earlier. So it was a pretty lean year, 2008, for Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello. They didn't do too much in that car itself, the, the RA108. For you, though, it was probably the fastest thing that you'd driven. Tell us what it was like to jump into a Formula One car. Oh, Shebex is unbelievable. I mean... 10 times more mind-boggling than I expected. You know, I knew it would be fast. Um, and you're right, the car, that car actually, the chassis I drove was third at Silverstone. So that was the only podium and probably some of the only points that Honda, the Earth Dreams livery car, earned that year. Um, getting it out of the pit lane was ridiculously hard with the anti-stall. So you would let the hand clutch out and even felt like two mil of movement on the clutch pedal would um, lever rather would activate the anti-stall, so they had to turn it off, turn it on. So I took a good five goes to get the thing mobile, but once I got out of the pit lane and turned the limiter off, I just had a smile 
from ear to ear. And I remember thinking, I wish half the V8 guys and mates could be in this car with me to experience this acceleration. It was just like being shot out of a cannon. Um, and the braking was what blew me away even more so. You know, I mean, I, I took a long time to be able to trust the brakes. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually, eventually I got up to 30 laps. So not all in one go. I had about five outings of six laps each run. And on the last run, I had new tyres. They started to give me, you know, I guess a bit of trust that I wasn't going to fence this car. Um, but I, I, and, and they gave me enough fuel to do a 10-lap run. But with the braking and the cornering Gs, I started feeling really nauseous and I could only do six. So I logged 30 laps total and it was just, yeah, something that I, um, you know, feel very, very grateful that I had that opportunity. You would have classed yourself as a fairly fit guy at the time. You were a regular driver in the supercar category. How did the body feel at the end of your, your 30 laps? So different to a supercar. It wasn't really hot at all. I don't even think I was sweating. It was about a 10-degree day over in Japan. But um, the G-forces, my neck, you know, people talk about the neck forces, but I found it even across my core and my abs. Um, and on that last run, when I had a low fuel load and new tyres to do a bit of a quali run, which was really good of them, and that was the Bridgestone sort of, um, you know, groove tyre at the time. Um, but it was a super soft compound, so it had heaps of grip. And, yeah, I just started feeling like I was going to throw up on my last run. I had a bit of a moment where it stepped out on me and I caught it, and then I just thought, I'm getting tired here. Uh, I am going to make a mistake, you know. Um, I felt like I, I think I ended up breaking at about the... 80 metre mark into turn one, which is about 280, 290k an hour, and they end up breaking at about 60. So I was still 20 metres off where Jensen was breaking the day before. But um, it's certainly, yeah, just, just the braking Gs and a really just such a, a different type of fitness to you know, driving a tin top, obviously. Was there any talk at the time from the, the, the crew that was there? And I believe it was only a minimal crew that was there. Was there any talk at the time about the possibility of Honda pulling out of F1? No, no discussion at all. And, I, and from memory, Shebex, it was literally a week later that it was announced that um, Honda had pulled out of Formula One and the team would be no longer. And there was an Aussie, a young Aussie, um, who was actually ex-GM, ex-Holden, that had been over working on the test team. And he engineered the car for me because we'd met before through Gary Rogers Motorsport about four years before that. So it was um, chatting to him... He just had this excitement in his voice. He said, look, I know we've been nowhere. You know, the car's been terrible. And I was like, well, it felt bloody good to me, to be perfectly honest. He's like, I wish we could quote, because our driver said it was terrible, which, you know, there's obviously very different levels of Jensen and Rubens pushing the car to me. But they had this excitement about next year's car. They said, we've designed what we feel will be a front-running car for next year. And he said, even though people won't take us seriously, we're genuinely enthused about what we've got developing for next year, which turned out to be the Braun, um, became Braun Grand Prix. Now, it wasn't the same car, but it was effectively the same team. And they went out and nearly lapped into tight field at round one at Albert Park in 09. Uh, yeah, it's amazing stuff that really is. It, the RB, uh, sorry, the RA109 was also in development at the time. That was the car that obviously Ross Braun had the next year. Was that at the track itself or was it the, only the RA108? Yeah, just the 108 Chebex and, um, you know, Honda have since made a comeback, you know, in power plants, but certainly not as a, a constructor. Um, but there was just talk about the, the chassis, that it was going to be something really special. 
Um, you know, they weren't overly enthused with the power plant that year, the, the 108, but um, apparently on cold tyres, it was a dog of a car, using the quote from Jensen and Ruben. So uh, it only had the one podium, but man, it felt good to me. It blew me, blew me away. Just It's funny, you know, as I was going around probably by my third run, I was like, yeah, I could drive this car. Anyone in the top 10 or 15 V8 supercar drivers could drive an F1 car. We know that. James Courtney has, Will Davison yeah. has. Um, it's just to the level, obviously, of what you can drive it to. And it doesn't mean that you're going to become a world champion, but they are just another car with four tyres, a steering wheel and a brake pedal at the end of the day. So it's just getting used to trusting just how much grip the car had was the, was the tricky bit inside 30 laps, of course. I think Jensen Button described the car as lacking drivability was the word from, from Jensen. That's a politically correct way to... But that's not what the team said. Their view of it was far more descriptive than that. I can imagine. Uh, you're one of the few Aussies, I suppose, to an extent also, to have the opportunity to have driven a couple of Formula One cars. Not only did you get the chance to drive that Honda in 2008, but you also drove the Minardi two-seater for a while as the, uh, the lead driver at the Australian Grand Prix. The difference between those two cars... Yeah, and the two-seater drive came about because I, I had that Honda experience. And the Grand Prix Corporation were pushing to have an Aussie share the driving duties with um, uh, Zolt, sorry, Baumgartner, who was ex-Minardi. So he would come out every year. So I did just two rides the next year for Libby Trickett, the uh, swimmer, and that went well. I, it all went fine. So Paul Startup warmed to the idea. And then I ended up driving it for seven years in a row after that. So... It was very different to the Honda. It was a lot heavier. Um, uh, it, would, it would probably be more twitchy because it was a longer wheelbase. It wanted to swing around the nose when you tip the car in. If you came off the brake too quick, the back would part company very easily. Mm. Um, it, it was actually quite tricky. I remember I always had to have my eyes on driving that car, even though um, you're doing it at you know, 70 80% as a passenger. But that led to taking some you know, movie stars and... Uh, rock stars around over the seven years. So, yeah, that, that was a real buzz. And that was all because of that initial drive in the Honda, for sure. So after you drive in the Honda, mate, and you finished your 30 laps, you come back and you bring the car back. Was anything said to you about how well you may have driven? Yeah, they were. They seemed, I mean, engineers and F1 crew don't give much away. You know, they go, oh, who's this Aussie? But they, I think they were pleasantly surprised. They all shook my hand and said, thank you, well done. You looked after it. Good job. You know, it was in Good job. I don't know. They think they use the word impressive. That might have been my words, but I can tell you. I think my lap, my, my quickest lap, because I've got all the data, was like a one thirty six point one. I think around the flat track at Motegi. Now F one never raced there, but IndyCar raced there the next year, and pole for the IndyCar was a thirty six nine. So oh, I patted nice. my pumped my chest out that I was on the front row of an IndyCar, albeit in a Formula One car. Which there's no doubt an F one car would have been a few seconds faster, but at least. It made me feel that I wasn't driving around at, you know, half pace. I gave it a reasonable crack in the end. How hard was it to get back into the Brad Jones Commodore? Yeah, I, th I remember the next time, I, about two weeks later, we did a test day at Winton and I actually came in and said, I don't think it's getting full throttle. We need to check the <laughs> throttle position, Matt, because it felt so gutless uh, and very lazy. But, you know, I spoke to Mark Webber to get prepared um, through our Channel 10 sort of connections and, you know, we'd interview with F1 and I said, what can I do? this drive to come up and I did a seat fit at Singapore firstly uh, when we're over there doing a live cross and um, he said go and drive a shifter car so I did Todd Kelly had one um, and I did a full day at Todd Road a couple of days before I flew out just just to speed the brain up so you know it's 
same as a supercar, your braking, big brake pressure, downshift, bleed the brake off. Obviously, it's got aero, but everything just happens five, six times faster, you know. So that was the biggest thing to try and drive something like a shifter car. You're doing about 30 gear changes a lap to speed the brain up. But nothing could have prepared you. I mean, the closing speed and everything was just mind-boggling. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face all day and all night for that matter. Good on you, mate. Thanks for reminiscing with us. What a fantastic memory to have. And I'm sure you've got a couple of good photos. Did that documentary ever go to air the next year? Yeah, it did, Shebex. It went to air on the, um, I think, the Saturday night of the Monaco Grand Prix weekend, so May the next year. And they did a copy for me on DVD. I've got all the onboard footage. So Michael Heaton and Steve Wood at Network 10 did a really nice thing for me. So, yeah, certainly something I'll show the grandkids uh, one day, hopefully. Good on you, mate. Look after yourself. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Shebex. Appreciate it. Always great to welcome our friend from the Gold Coast up. Uh, on oh, he's from Brisbane actually, not the Gold Coast. I was going to say <laughs> that's, that's a chapter in Mark Walker's past that he'd probably rather not talk about on air. I would have thought. Uh, well, Hello, that, Mark Walker. That's uh, for another podcast. <laughs> Good evening. Hello there. I don't even know where I am. It doesn't matter. I'm in the back seat of my car, the recording studio here. It's just done its eight meter drive for the week. <laughs> We've got a bit better phone reception, so. Uh, yeah, it could be anywhere. It doesn't really matter still. We're fairly seriously locked down and might as well be locked down for the foreseeable future because if we want to see some national level motorsport, you're not going to see it in southeast Queensland this year. No, it doesn't look like it, does it? Which is, well, does that, is that the whole of Queensland or just southeast Queensland? Well, I mean, the only thing that's scheduled, I mean, it's completely regardless of whether you could go and see the racing or not, is Townsville. Yeah. Two weeks' time. That's the only national level motorsport event uh, scheduled for Queensland this year. So, uh, poo hoo if you live in southeast Queensland and they lift the restrictions a bit later on in the year, you are stuffed. No motorsport for you. And that's a shame because the Shannon's Nationals were supposed to go to Morgan Park mm. uh, a bit later on this year, which has been a great venue for the Shannons in the past when they used to go out there. And I mean, that part of the world, they've had the drought, they've had the bushfires. And now they've had the Shannon's Nationals taken away from them. So they've had the triple whammy there. I'm not, I'm not sure the Shannon's Nationals is the biggest disaster that's hit them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been great. There, there was some hype around that, and it, uh, I'm sure it would have lived up to it with them uh, being out there, I'm sure. But, yeah, it, it's a strange one. So, uh, of course, the big topic of the week is um, is that uh, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Nationals, in conjunction with ARG, um, have released their calendar. ARG, if you're not familiar, are the body behind TCR Australia, S5000, Touring Car Masters, Trans Am, V8 Touring Cars. Um, so I'll just run through those dates for you and we can, we can contextualise it all after that. So uh, August 15 to 16 is the first of these rounds, which fits in after Darwin and before Townsville Supercar events, which were announced last week. So Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, 12 to 13 of September is a trip to Sandown. So that's a sort of traditional Sandown date, which is good. Yep. So that will be TCR, S5000, TCM and Trans Am there, along with some other Shannon's categories. And that's pretty much the former supercar Sandown, date, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Sandown 500 date, where they were last year, remember, for the debut of S5000 yeah. and got a massive crowd to that, which was cool. Whether they're allowed to this year or not, we don't know. Um, now, the next round is a Shannon's Nationals only round. No ARG categories, or at least the major ones at the bend. Um, 
actually, correction, that's late October. There, there's a Phillip Island round in early October. The date there's still TBA, but there's really only two weekends that can fit between the Bend Supercars in September and the Bathurst 1000 in October. So it's going to be October 2, 3 or whatever that weekend is, I think. Um, Shannon's Nationals at the Bend, October 17 to 18. At the moment, it looks like that won't be a TV round. So the major classes probably won't be there at the Bend Motorsport Park. Um, Bathurst International remains on its November 14 to 15 date, but adds an extra day. So that will run Thursday to Sunday at this point, including a sprint round for TCR, S5000. TCM will be there for their final round, Trans Am and, and the Bathurst six hours we heard from Matt Braid. And then the surprise, as we touched on, was uh, a couple of rounds in Tasmania in January, back-to-back Simmons Plains and Baskerville. Um, the Simmons Plains event, boys, is an interesting one because it actually, um, on the basis it goes for three days, starts on January 24th, which is a Sunday, runs on Monday, and then finishes on public holiday the 26th, which is a Tuesday, on Australia Day, which is an interesting little format. And then... A uh, couple of days off, head south and go to Baskerville on January 30, 31. And that fits in nicely with the final round of supercars um, at Mount Panorama on February 6 to 7, which we hope is the Bathurst 12 hour as well. So it was all a bit clumsy when it came out, but the net result is that there's no clashes. It all works. Um, and if you're going to all of those events, June to February is going to be incredibly busy. And that's exactly right. I think that is the net result, isn't it? That there's going to be a lot of racing jammed in from June through to January. So whether it be supercars, whether it be Shannon's Nationals, or whether it be the uh, the ARG Championships, which is pretty, which is a pretty good result for the founder, would have thought, Mark. My question to you, Richard: What would be running at the Bend if those non-core categories would be running there? What's left to fill that program? Um, well, speaking with absolutely zero idea of what will be there, but um, probably categories, maybe um, Porsche Sprint, Sprint Challenge, Australian GT, no verdict on them. And when you've got uh, these rounds that were announced, the, the TV rounds for the ARG categories, TCR, S5000, TCM and Trans Am at the mall, plus a Porsche category as well. Um, categories like GT, production cars are going to need a round or two. Um, prototype series, Radical Australia Cup. There's a bunch of classes. So, um, yeah, th- there's not going to be much time at those other rounds with all the ARG categories being there for them to fit on. So that would, I imagine, be the bend. And they've talked about the potential of another round, potentially in December at Winton uh, as being another Shannon's round without having the big TV stuff, but having a round for those categories to run pending demand. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um how that all plays out and, and the decision-making process behind not going to the bend with, um, with the big categories, but there'll be a cost involvement there. I would imagine from a travel point of view and uh, a TV broadcasting point of view as well. In regards to those non TV Shannon's rounds, they, will they, uh, they'll have live streaming though. One would think, wouldn't they? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Shebex. And yeah. I mean, at the moment there's only one, which is that one at the bend. Yeah, the bend. Uh, yeah correct if there's demand from, from categories for it, um, like, like we've been saying, and, and, it, and it sucks, but it's the new normal, is this, we don't know. And, and yeah. until we get a bit closer and things start to firm up a little bit that we can actually do this. Because right now we can't do these events. We're literally not allowed to go to them. <laughs> <laughs> so right now it's all hands in the air, who knows, but it's not June yet. So um, 
you know, the, the first of these events is set for mid-August and mid-August feels like an eternity away from where we are now. And yeah. things will change rapidly between now and then. The other question I have, and, and it's category-based, I suppose, and the category I'm looking at is Porsche Carrera Cup Australia. The fact that they still have six rounds of their championship to go, of most of the rounds that they have been involved with, with supercars, aren't having support events such as Darwin, we possibly well, but, think maybe even Townsville. It's going to be well, we tough don't know. To together. We don't know. But well, we know, Dar- lost- well, we know Dar- Darwin won't. Well, no, because we, we broke that on the show last week. Um, but, like, we don't know. The Career Cup hasn't lost a round yet, Shebex. No, I know. Exactly. I, no, I totally understand that. <laughs> like, that because their next round wasn't been, meant to be until June. Well, it was going to be Townsville in a couple of yeah. what was going to be a couple of weeks from yeah. now and then Darwin. Um, so they haven't lost a round yet. So they're actually not in a bad spot. Like we said, who knows? Yeah. It, 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 who knows? It's too too early to tell. But the fact that there's some dates means there's at least the start of some certainty. Um, the irony, one of the things I did notice today was that um, you can try for all your life in the world, but there's still going to be clashes in that the final or the, the round of the Australian Rally Championship in SA is the same weekend as that Shannon's round at the bend, but oh, they've geez. actually been, yeah, I know, but they've actually been quite smart because they're going to have the final stage on Saturday night at the bend. Oh, got a rally, that's a rally, rally track there. So um, that's actually some common sense scheduling in motorsport. Well, the fact that the same promoter looks after both events helps. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's nice to see some common sense in the sport for once. It's great. Love it. Yeah, it is. Uh, the one category that has started racing already in the world is NASCAR. Boys, uh, what have we thought of the last week or so there? Strange new world, isn't it there? They're um, racing in front of no punters over there and dishing out the pit lane reports on a massive pole. That's, that was blew me out. That's funny. You got <laughs> Regan Smith there. Hello, mate. How are you? And this other microphone, Dicky Knee, pops up there and starts having a bit of a chat. There was more than a metre and a half, surely, there, wasn't there? There was more than six feet. It's great. Uh, still, it's different little universe. We've talked about this before, but uh, they're running 16 staff members per car mm. in a 40-car field. And when we fire up, we're going to have 13 per two-car team. And correction from last weekend, that includes the drivers. So you're mm. going to have 11 staff members there to serve as a two-car team, which is... Uh, it's going to keep the numbers down. So I saw someone do the maths. It works out to be about 165 uh, supercars drivers. If, if they wind up having a 500 limit, say, at the venue, 165 will be taken up by the drivers and the race teams. So it's taken a big swing there. It's going to save them some money. It's going to save them some serious money on rental cars and accommodation on plane tickets if they have to buy them off Qantas. So Catering. it's it certainly saves them a bit of dosh there as opposed to what they're doing over there in the States uh, in NASCAR. This first little swing for them have all been close to home, close to North Carolina. Uh, obviously, the two races, uh, the race yesterday was in Charlotte. So it was a home-based race yeah. and then a, a Wednesday night race there as well. So they're, they're keeping it nice and close there. Their theory was that uh, they're better off having everyone just drive to the track themselves rather than sit in a plane and spread germs around. So uh, I think you're probably more chance to pick up germs stopping at the service station, getting coughed on by someone in the cashier line than you are sitting on a private jet with everyone else who should be 
doing their social distancing. But we've seen some wild stuff over there in the States. We posted one on social media today of the short track. Uh, a lot of the short tracks over there are opening up and they're absolutely chockers. No yeah. one's wearing a face mask. They're all sitting next to each other. You know, you, you look at the, the, the charts from over there. They haven't got a grip on it. They like to think that they have, but they just haven't. And it, it scares me as someone who has been locked down properly because in our little household here, we've had to be for, for health reasons. And you, I'm a bit scared going outside. Like, yeah. it scares me. And then these people over there, they're all just sitting there holding hands, singing Kumbaya, watching stock car races. It, it's frightening. So uh, yeah, it's a strange new world that we're in. And, um, you know, they'll figure it out in time, what's good and what's bad. But, um, you know, we're, we're taking a very definite... Uh, a safe safety first approach here in Australia, I think by and large. And hopefully um, the fact that we are playing the game right means that we will be able to have punters at Bathurst this year. Yeah. Well, and, and fingers crossed and, and potentially other events as well. Um, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, South Australia had one first new case in 19 days um, as we record the show and um, the place has lost its mind completely. Um, <laughs> and, and yet, um, yeah, the stuff going on over there. There's a thousand people a day keeling over because of it. It's it's pretty pretty crazy. But can I tell you that I had? Can I tell you that I had my a COVID nineteen test today? Yeah. Well, I think we've all had it now, have we not? Uh, is, a, is it not the, the worst, most disgusting thing you have ever ever had in your life? I nearly vomited over the lady when she put the thing down my throat, and then I thought my eyeballs were going to pop out when she put it up my nose. It was just all it can. All it confirmed with me was that I don't have any brains because she definitely hit the inside <laughs> of my skull when it went up my nose. It just kept going. And I felt it was rattling I around inside my head. I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. Yeah, but I, I'm, I was negative. I, I'm hoping you were. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'll, I won't know for a couple of days, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, no, I'm no. pretty sure I, am. I had no symptoms. I no just had COVID to go either. because of my job mm. that I do uh, on, a, on a daily basis. So, yeah. Look, yeah, no, it's it's pretty sketchy. Um, let, let's talk about car racing though, and just just on the NASCAR stuff, Mark, and and we've we've um, I think the right word is pontificated about this uh, in the past, is that NASCAR went in those those first two races at Darlington, no practice, no qualifying. I think round one was set on owners points, and then they flipped it for the next one. Brilliant races. Um, the the second one cut short with rain at the end, but up to that point, it was an absolute barn burner. And you had Mike Joy saying, this is one of the better Darlington races we've seen. Um, the Xfinity races have been outstanding close finishes. Very, very good. Um, I didn't see much of the, the 600 on Memorial day. And I think that wasn't quite so thrilling, but I know the Xfinity race was, she just adds some credence and, and it's probably different from a NASCAR point of view, but it just adds credence that we practice too much and we qualify too much and that if you just put them on the racetrack and go racing it's going to work and it might actually make the product a little bit better you know the thing is with these teams is that they're actually pretty good because it's mm. their job they yes. can roll a, tr- a car out of a transporter and it's fairly decent mm. you don't need to go and and stuff around cutting laps all day i mean you look at uh what was it 2014 over at we had practice qualifying race, bang, 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 one day. And even then it was a short day because it was Anzac Day. We weren't allowed on track until midday. So they mm-hmm. bashed that out in one afternoon and it was perfectly fine. Everyone just got on with it. Well, you don't need to bash around with all these practice sessions. 
Yeah. But anyway, it's something that we are going to have to figure out because we're going to have a, a lot more two-day events in the supercars side of things. So, um, so looking at formats there, boys, what do you think we're going to go? The majority of races, are they going to be one practice session, one qualifying, one race on each day? Start no. at 12, finish at 6? Well, may, maybe. Again, we, just, we don't know. We don't and, know. But I'm saying just pontificate. Been... Yeah, well, I, okay. To, to be honest with, with you, I'd prefer to see... You know, fifteen minute practice, twenty minute qualifying. Have two shorter races. If we're not going to have uh, all the pit stop paraphernalia going on, mm. give us a few races. Give us a few yeah. race starts. We've got a point system where it's divisible down to seventy five points for a, a four race weekend. Correct. Why don't we have four races over a weekend? We want to see two races. Saturday, two Sunday. A good yeah. qualifying session's great, but uh, practice does nothing for me. So uh, no. if you make everything worthwhile, even if your practice winds up being a thing for your knockout qualifying, that gives it a bit of purpose. If it gives every session yeah. a bit of purpose, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and look, you know, th- these things haven't run since March the, tw- uh, March the 12th. Um, so teams are amazing. Yes, they're great. But you probably, they needed, they need probably want and demand knowing race teams a decent whack first run back in the car probably not going to be many shakedowns before they get to Sydney Motorsport Park. But I, I agree entirely. Send them quality, jam as many races in as you can. And and they, I, I just hope that they're not afraid to play with formats. Um, and, and NASCAR have done it. You know, the irony of this is NASCAR cut the race distance of those Darlington races. And the one that got rained out went just under two hours 40, which is a long car race. But it was yeah. probably... 45 minutes shorter than what it would have been had it been the full Southern 500, if not longer. Um, but everyone was going, gee, that was a pretty good distance for a race, wasn't it? That just filled, filled the TV window nicely. It didn't drag on overly. The product was good. And, and NASCAR's had a problem with their races just going for too long and being pretty boring. So <laughs> Then they backed up with the 600-mile race. With the 600-mile uh, race, which is with a rain delay. way too long, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I hope they do something different. I have no problems with them doing some reverse grid stuff either, by the way. But not, don't reverse the full grid. Like, we don't need Team Sydney starting on pole. But you could reverse the top 12, and they're all quality cars. It's not going to affect the quality of the motor racing. And if you're Scott McLaughlin and you've got a pace advantage, you're still going to pass cars mm. and end up scoring a good whack of championship points. But it could be the difference between WAU finishing sixth or WAU finishing on the podium or Tickford or somebody different. And in this time, I feel like they have to do everything they can to try and open the opportunities without on. It has to be on merit. It has to be on pace and it has to be on performance, but open as many opportunities as you can to giving people a chance to win races because all of these teams need their sponsors getting some love at some point because they need to look after them through this because they're more vitally important than they ever have been. So I just hope they hope they mix it up a little bit. The, the worst outcome would be for us to go to Sydney Motorsport Park and as good as Scotty and Shell V Power Racing are, him to win all three races and smoke them Everyone and it goes, not be a great show. Uh, yeah. 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 Correct. Correct. So even the AFL... And Shebex, you could attest to this, who are the most tradition-based, unmovable, unwilling to change. Look at the grand final debacle yeah. of whether it will ever be a night grand final. 
even they've gone, no, we're going to shorten our quarters a little bit and we'll play with the interchange and we'll, we'll adjust the product to work better for the situation. Yeah. I just hope that we do the same. And that goes for the ARG and Shannon stuff as well. Isn't that funny that there's no motor racing in Southeast Queensland, but they're going to have at least two games yeah. of footy every yeah. week. Oh, well, there you go. The fan base is gone. See you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) One one thing that we did mention when we were talking about calendars weeks ago and when they were going to be coming out is that we hoped people would play around with it. And and we didn't see much imagination out of the supercars calendar to an extent. But we have, as you mentioned with that ARG, doing the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I think is a fantastic experiment. I don't mind the racing on Australia Day, to be honest. And sport on Australia Day is an Aussie tradition. And Well, we don't know where we're going to be with Big Bash. Well, no, exactly right. And, and, I mean, my tradition, the Adelaide Oval is famous for Australia Day cricket. So yeah. um, I would probably sacrifice that for some car racing at this point in time. But, um, but I, I don't mind it. And, and it's like in the US where, um, you know, we've just had Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is famous for the Indy 500 and the, the NASCAR 600 and... And most recently okay. Monaco, um, although that chops and changes, that's not tied to Memorial Day. So, yeah, I, I like it. It just—it's something different. It's an opportunity to try it and see if it works. And it, who knows? In the future, it, it could stick because we don't often see that much motor racing in January that early in the year. I don't. Mind. I have I have seen it at club events previously, where they'd run a three-day event over a three-day long weekend, whether it's. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but yep. having that weird little Monday in the middle there that's not a public holiday, that's a, a bit of an odd one. And still school holidays, been... though. It'll still be school holidays. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how that's going to work out with Channel 7 as well. I mean, yeah. that's in the heart of cricket season as well, isn't it? Yeah, though I, I think those rounds are going to be on mate, not the primary channel, yep. and the Big Bash is on the main channel. So, um, oh, look, they've got they've got four tv channels and a streaming service so I, I don't think that'll be a massive drama but we'll find um, up on the shopping channel <laughs> well catering to a unique audience yeah look and you know tv ratings racing during the day midweek but but again it's uncharted territory like it could it could be really good we don't know um, yeah, there's, there's a great idea you've just given me a fantastic idea in oh, hardest racing wait should they we have... be doing this no, no. should we in just hard... do this yeah. off air so we can no, no, claim no. it in harness <laughs> racing, and that's what they have. They have these races called claimers, where mm. all the horses going around are for sale at the end of the race. Maybe we could do that with car racing. All the cars going around in that race are then sold at the end of it. Who's buying them, Shebex? I've got no idea. It was just a thought. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, it could be the TCR field last year. Yeah. They were all owned by the same mob. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, great it's to see... Good. It's a bit different for a $150,000 Renault McGowan TCR. Yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> As opposed to a $1,500 harness racer. Yeah, exactly. It's not, though there, is, there is a series in New Zealand. It's called the 2K Cup. And basically, you buy a car, and the maximum you can spend on that car is, a, is two grand plus your safety gear. But if one of your rivals thinks your car is too good, they're allowed to buy it, but they have to buy it for $2,000. It can't be any more than that. So you can spend a million dollars on it, but you have to sell it for two grand. Yeah. I think the lemon stuff does that yeah. as well. So I think it's one grand for the lemon stuff. Yeah. So. But anyway. yeah, we see that in Speedway, claiming engines and that sort of thing. Like it, it does happen in, in the world of motorsport. Oh, there you go. There you go. Hey, uh, great to see government stepping up at this time as well. And I see today that Boris Johnson looks like he's going to step in and exempt Formula One teams 
from uh, coming to Silverstone. So they'll be allowed to come in without the 14-day quarantine period that's been discussed at this point in time. So that'd be a fantastic uh, thing if the government does that and allows those teams to come in and race at Silverstone. Well, I mean, that had catastrophe written all over it for F1. Shocking. There would have been some... Well, given most of the... All but two of the teams are based in the UK, several thousand people. And even though they're going to limit the travelling crew, I think it's eight. (laughs) So we're talking about numbers. 13 (laughs) per car for NASCAR, 10 for supercars. I think F1's going 80. (laughs) Per team. (laughs) Yeah, something along those lines. So it's going to be... It's a lot of people. But that would have been a disaster for F1 if their crews had to quarantine in between these rounds. So, um, yeah, if the British government steps in, um, that's going to be a massive outcome for that because I think they're getting pretty desperate to get the show back on the road. And so, but so much harder to do when you're talking international boundaries and they've got so many dramas and they're far from out of the woods with this yet as well, comparatively to where we are. Very much so. I'm going to throw a question to you boys and I want uh, your honest answer. If you were racing in the A in the E series and weren't doing too good, what would you do to try and improve your hopes? I'd probably turn to drugs and cheating <laughs> or just cheating if I didn't have any drugs available. Richard? Uh, yeah, I'd probably try and steer clear of the drugs. I'd be smarter than Daniel Apt. <laughs> <laughs> what? Surely what there are better ways. His head? Surely there are better ways to do it than he did it. Like he wasn't answering his messages. Surely you'd just, you'd be sitting, Uh, set up another sim, mate. Like sit there on the Zoom call so people can see you pretending (laughs) to race. It's not rocket science. He's Uh, definitely a race car driver. Like, oh, come on, dude. Don't pay someone else to fill in for you and then not do a proper job of bluffing everybody that you're doing it. I can't believe you copped a $10,000 fine. But who fined him? Well, the E Series jury, or what? I don't know. Yeah, Lordy. Because they're all contracted to do it, I think. So, like, trying to get out of it. So, yeah, ten grand to a charity, um, plus whatever he paid professional sim racer <laughs> old mate to fill in in his place. It's a, it's a great story. It's a bit of a cautionary tale, but it's a good story. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, actually, speaking of that, I see this week in the Supercars E-Series, we've got uh, a gamer stepping up. Sorry, I don't know his name offhand because uh, mm. I'm not really deep into that world. But my prediction, he'll just go in there and smoke everyone. Well, it's entirely likely. Possibly. It's actually, I don't mind it. I, I actually like that better than, and you guys have been quite vocal about the Super 2 drivers coming in. And I liked it up to a point, but then they started trying a bit hard. Um, no, I've been with you. Dale has been ropeable about this. Dale has been, yeah. has been ropeable about it. And I, I, look, I agree to an extent. Um, I don't mind bringing in a gun sim racer because yeah. it, it, it's a good benchmark. And if he gets beaten, and that, look, Van Gisbergen is pretty bloody good at this stuff. Like, there's a chance Shane could beat him. Scotty could be there as well. They had a mare last week. Um, I don't mind it. I, I think it's good. And, and this... Idea. This more than having Lando, more than having Max Verstappen, more than having Will Power. This is where it's going to cater to the Twitch audience that's never watched a real world supercar race, but watches watches the E series stuff. Maybe I, I'd no. you'd like to think so. You don't reckon? No, nah, my, my little swivel head there's on a on a swivel, mate. That's not true at all. I mean, you, you look at the following that Max brought. You look at the ratings for that week. Mm. They were off the charts. I'd prefer Max to come back because that they was were, the biggest they were, all racing, they were all motorsport fans, though. 
That's fine. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But this guy, the, there's the potential of him bringing an audience that's never watched a real world car race is higher than any of those other blokes, is what I'm saying. Uh, be, it may be different if he was a Fortnite gamer, but he's not. He's a motor racing gamer. So the people that would watch yeah, him all, would be motor racing all, people, wouldn't they? Scott McLaughlin yeah. jumps off car racing and plays other games on his Twitch as well. Mm. So they play, they're all multitasking. In, intergameable. Intergameable. Yeah. But, but it's like the, the guys that did, and girls that did that, the Supercars E-Series they ran last year, which was for just gamers. Which apparently is still going to run this year as yeah, well. Yeah, they're going to do that again. Year, yeah. yeah, 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 which is great. Um, but that did genuinely cater to a different audience that w- w- quite a few of them hadn't watched a supercar race before because all they'd done was gaming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. And we'll, we'll track it on the race talk with our regular ratings watch column at 10 o'clock on a Thursday morning. We'll, we will follow this progress. We'll be keeping a close eye on Twitch to see what the numbers are like. Like, I, I think the thing last week, was that the ratings were up because it's an average rating over the two hour period mm. because it was entertaining for two hours. People yeah, stuck around for the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. overall race was great. I'll yeah. tell you what, the ratings will be up for Bathurst 2021. Should Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris have a wild card entry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes or no? Will it happen? Oh, God. I mean, in all the things that we could yes or no in the motorsport world at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it'd be great, wouldn't it? It'd be terrific. It and, would be. And the stars align more now than it ever would for it to happen. Um, just via Zach Brown. And great. It'd be, it'd be terrific. It'd be fantastic. And uh, yeah, it'd be huge. But um, would it change the nature of the Bathurst 1000? Probably not. No. Did, did Sterling Moss and Sir Jack Brabham, which, which would be the same thing, just with better drivers, um, with all the greatest of respect to Dan and Lando, these were world champions or nearly world champions mm. um, in 1976 or whenever it was. Um, did that change the nature of the great race? No, it didn't. Um, it's a good side story. Um, but yeah, look, it'll be cool. And it would be a good story to have. And it would be great for the 1000. The 1000 is a globally recognized motor race without having Formula One drivers in it. I'm not saying I don't want it. I think it'd be fun. They'd be hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But would, would they be competitive and win the race? No, no they wouldn't. Probably not. Oh, no. like, you just uh, look Alex, at that lifeboat card. Yeah, yeah, they were nowhere. Like, and those, those, guys can, nothing. Yeah, those guys can drive like they, yeah. you know, Rossi's won the Indy 500. Hinchcliffe's won plenty of Indy car races. Yeah. They are great drivers. Um, and yeah, they were P nowhere. So you'd be better off from a competitive standpoint in having a bunch of, dare I say it, super two wildcards. Anyway. Oh Lord. Look, it'd be great. From a purely Let's hope it happens. From our side of the fence, from a content and a media point of view, the, it, it will be so quote worthy for a, two months. It'll be tremendous. But uh, yeah. from an affecting the race, no. But look, great for interest. And, and this is where having guys like Penske, and I, to be brutally honest with you, Shebex, I would rather see a Penske wildcard with willpower. Willpower, yeah. Yeah somebody else I, I, that would be more impactful for me especially given power has driven the things before and is yeah. fast in a supercar but this is where having these international team owners brings an x-factor and if zach brown can make it happen brilliant 
All right, I'm going to make uh, a goodbye happen. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us, as always. No, good chat. Like it. It's just Robust. nice to have dates. It's, it's good to have dates. There's a very... In life. In life, Richard. In life. Uh, yeah, just without anything, because the last 10 weeks have merged into one. Um, it's nice to have certainty. There is a very good chance all of this will change. Let's just wow. be clear about that. There, well, there, there is. Right now, you're not allowed out of the state, let alone well, the country. Yeah. So until things change, it's all TBA, but it's positive that things are moving. And the best news is, boys, I can go to my pub. Ah, oh, for your, yes, your upcoming birthday. Well, we would, love to, we would love to join you. Well, I'll bring Zoom with me and we'll, we'll, we'll have it. Please Zoom, do. We'll Zoomify. And, and maybe, even though we won't be at Sydney Motorsport Park, I will flag it now. We started our tradition, I should say Mark started the tradition of post-race beers on the race talk. Mm. Find us at a pub, <laughs> say, I watch, I read the racetalk.com or I listen to On The Grid and we'll buy you a beer. And, and it exponentially successful. And we had planned to do it at, um, at the Grand Prix. Obviously that got cancelled. Maybe we find a way of doing it virtually after Sydney to celebrate that first supercar round back. Maybe I, did have, I, did have, hey? I did have people say to me, the Grand Prix was cancelled, but I don't understand why the beers were. Well, I went home. Oh, well, you could right. have put them on. But, I, I uh, could have. I could. But just, just put your credit card details online. We'll sort this yeah, out. It's yeah, fine. Let, let's make it happen. So we'll, we'll flag that now. June 27, 28. Let's just see how we can do this virtually. And we yeah, might we'll just, do a Zoom catch up. Yeah, sound excellent. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out theracetalk.com. Please. Heaps of grouse content up there. Get clicking. Absolutely. Lovely. All right, boys. Catch you next week. Thanks, boys. See ya. That's the end of another On The Grid. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next week as well. Till then. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.